Good morning. Nice to see you here on this wonderful warm day. I'd like to start with a question. Can anybody tell me what happened last Thursday? What was special about Thursday? Anyone? Ascension Day. Ascension Day. Thank you, Irene. Ascension Day. 40 days after Easter and another 10 days before Pentecost is Ascension Day. However, it's quite possible that it passed you by. It probably would have passed me by if I didn't know that I was preaching this Sunday. And also a friend of mine, every Ascension Day, he sends me a text wishing me Happy Ascension Day. Because the church throughout history has celebrated Ascension Day and considered it very special. And indeed, the Bible seems to think that Christ's ascension is very significant. However, the modern church, I'm not saying just here, but the modern church in general has tended to forget about Ascension Day. And yet, what does it mean? If Christ's ascension just means Jesus goes home, then one could understand maybe it's not so important. But our creeds seem to think it's very important. We'll read in the creed later on, both the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. It says Christ was crucified, he died and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures and he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. I would go as far as saying that without the ascension, Jesus' mission to make atonement for our sins, is not complete. That Jesus' death, his resurrection, and his ascension are a package, and they go together. And it's only when all three of these things are completed do we read, and then he sits down at the right hand of the Father. He sits down because his work is completed. So if the ascension doesn't just mean Jesus goes home, then what does it mean? What's going on? Why is it so important? And I think the key to understanding why it's important is to understand our Old Testament and what happens on the Day of Atonement with the High Priest when he goes into the Holy of Holies once a year to make atonement, at-one-ment, peace with God for the people that a holy God might dwell with a sinful people. We're probably quite familiar that Jesus' death on the cross is the ultimate sacrifice. So when we see the sacrifices in the Old Testament, they're all pointing to what Jesus is going to do on the cross. He's the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. We think of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. We say, it is by his blood that we are cleansed and we are set free. So we're used to Jesus as the sacrifice. However, the Bible also states that Jesus is our high priest. He's the true high priest. And so he has a dual role. He's not just the sacrifice, but he's also the high priest. The book of Hebrews dedicates some seven chapters to Jesus' role as high priest. 
It's worth a read later. We're not going to read it all now, don't worry. Um, It's chapters 4 to 10. We're going to have a look at a few verses to see what Jesus does as our great high priest. Hebrews 4, verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. We should have some of the verses on the screen, yeah? Thank you, Jeff. That's great. So Jesus is our great high priest, and he has entered heaven. I wonder when that happened. At his ascension. And why should that give us confidence to hold firmly to what we believe? Why did he go there? What did he do in his role as high priest? Well, if we look on, Hebrews chapter 8 Verses 1 to 5. It says, Here is the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honour beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord, not by human hands. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest must make an offering too. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are already our priests who offer the gifts required by the law. Here's the important bit. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one that is in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure to make everything according to the pattern I have shown you on the mountain. So the earthly tabernacle where Aaron and his sons and his ancestors as the high priests, where they served was a copy of the real one that is in heaven. So Hebrews says says it three times that it was just a copy of the real one. The real one's in heaven and that's why Jesus, our real high priest, has to go there just like the high priest does on the Day of Atonement each year. Now, the the earthly high priest enters the inner chamber of the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant is, and where God dwells, it says, uh, between the two cherubim over the Ark, that's the seat where God dwells. And it's in the centre of his people. All the tribes are camped around the outside of the tabernacle. God's there in the centre. And he can only do it once a year by bringing in with him the blood of the sacrifices, which he sprinkles before the ark, making atonement for the people. There's actually quite a lot of sacrifices. Um, It's Leviticus 16, if you want to have a look later. There's sacrifices for himself to purify himself to purify the altar, to purify the tabernacle. There's quite a lot of blood going on, to be honest with you. But the point is, it's not enough just for the sacrifices to happen. They actually happen outside of the tabernacle. In the outer court is where the sacrifices happen. But then the blood has to be brought in by the high priest into the most holy place and sprinkled before God the Father to make the atonement complete. 
So the people and really the whole of creation is then considered to be clean before this holy God. And he can dwell with them. He can tabernacle with them. So that's what Jesus does in his role as high priest when he goes to heaven at his ascension. If we have a look at Hebrews 9, verses 10 to 12. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered the greater, the perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of the created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all and secured our redemption forever. So at the ascension, Jesus goes to fulfill his priestly duties. The sacrifice on the cross has already happened. Outside of the tabernacle, we read Jesus was crucified outside of the city wall. And now he takes his own blood into the true holy of holies where God the Father is in heaven to make atonement for us all. And then he sits down at the right hand of the Father. Something that the earthly priest would never do, not just because his work isn't finished, but because the earthly priest is just happy to get out of the place alive. <laughs> He's entering into the presence of a holy God and has to be incensed, has to be all these various things to do just so he can approach a holy God. But Jesus is our perfect sacrifice, our perfect high priest, and he sits down for his work is finished. And only now can the Holy Spirit be poured out. That's why we have ascension, and when he's finished his work, then the Holy Spirit is poured out, because then his work is complete. This redemption can be applied now to the whole earth, to all nations. The Holy Spirit is poured out to get the message out to the world. So we have the cross, the resurrection, ascension, and now the Holy Spirit can be poured out. So that's why in our reading earlier, Acts chapter 1, verses 8 to 9, Jesus told his disciples that they were going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And they were going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world, increasingly further out. After he said this, he was taken up into a cloud. So his very last words to them were to tell them what was going to happen after his ascension. This is what was going to follow. When he fulfills his role as high priest and sacrifice itself, then the Holy Spirit will come. Be more on that next week, Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit coming. So what are we to take away from this message of ascension this week? Hopefully a clearer understanding of what's going on in the, both in the Old Testament and also when Jesus goes to heaven. Maybe you might be encouraged to have a look at Hebrews. Sometimes it can be a difficult book, but maybe you'd be encouraged to have a look, or, or Leviticus even. And yet surely there must be a greater thing to gain than just a, a mental understanding of things. Well, in, in our reading from John, it's not on, on the screen, but Jesus prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. So may we see the glory of Jesus in all of this, in what he did.
ascending to his rightful place, fulfilling what he came to do, seated in majesty in heaven. And he brings glory to the Father by his obedience, by making the way possible for the whole of creation to be reconciled with him. And may it lead us to respond in worship um, and praise, a deeper sense also maybe of the part that we have to play in getting this message out to the nations filled with his spirit. I'd like to finish with a, with a psalm of praise. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequalled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with the loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that, has, that breathes sing praise to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen.